Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now on OA, the market's set to enter the lion's den of earnings season next week as investors digest early results from banks, a falling dollar, and whipsaw action in rates. How are options traders handicapping the action? We'll debate. Plus, Tesla all charged up ahead of its results. The stock up over 125% this year. Can the EV making keep revving up its returns? And later, we'll see if Netflix can keep streaming higher if energy names can keep the summer rebound going, and if healthy returns are ahead for the health insurers. We're tackling all of it. I'm Sarah Eisen, in for Melissa Lee. This is Options Action, live from the NASDAQ market site. On the desk tonight, Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Brian Stutland. Welcome to all of you, and we're going to start with the huge week for stocks as we roll into earnings season. The major averages rallying for the week as cooler-than-expected inflation data boosted investor optimism on the economy and the Fed. Banks kicking things off with results this morning. J.P. Morgan, Citi, Wells, BlackRock, State Street, they all delivered earnings beats. The stocks trading mixed, though, on those strong results. But as we head into the heart of earnings season, what is on your radar, Mike? And what do you take away from the signal so far? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we had some mixed signals this week, I think, for sure. First of all, as you pointed out, we did get somewhat better than expected inflation data, at least on the CPI front. And at the exact same time that it happened, week over week, we did see increases in oil and copper prices, which we might think of as commodities that are tied to the economy, uh, kind of industrials there. So that's obviously, uh, I think, a positive. Uh, on the downside, though, we saw twos, tens, uh, you know, that went the wrong way. We saw the 10-year go lower, uh, rates go lower. That, that's not necessarily a positive. And, you know, when we take a look at what the banks had to say, you know, it wasn't all that great. Uh, net interest margins, obviously, at J.P. Morgan were very good. But overall, they're talking about increasing delinquencies. They're talking about uh, lower levels of consumer borrowing. That's not a positive. And net deposits has turned negative. And you put all of those things together with the fact that NVIDIA, which is probably the bellwether for the market, I think, so far this year, gapped higher on the open, hit a new all-time high and closed lower. And that kind of reversal to me, which the market also seemed to mimic, doesn't seem like a positive. Yeah, that was a big swing intraday. Carter, what do you make of earnings? Well, it's all very impetuous of late, specifically in the NDX. Three unfilled gaps in a row, and of course the reversal today in big names, including NVIDIA. Uh, uh, we got a frozen, Carter. It was just priced in, I think, most specifically in the NASDAQ. Um, in any event, yes, uh, impetuous, and I will be fading uh, the move in NDX. Brian? Yeah, I think it's interesting what happened this week. Basically, you know, Mike mentioned their little reversal at the end of the day, though. But, you know, one positive thing is we did see the VIX volatility actually go down and the market closed down. Historically, that's typically been a sign for a rally, meaning people are kind of selling puts into a downsided market. So maybe maybe it's just a little bit of a breather at the end of the week here. But obviously, you know, Carter here talking about the dollar being weaker. It doesn't feel like a dollar crash, but certainly there's been a big reversal in the dollar. And I think basically when we've seen 10-year rates sort of not be able to get above this sort of 4% mark, it's really weakened the dollar because the rest of the world basically saying maybe the U.S. isn't really doing enough to sort of control 
control inflation there, take inflation to that 2% target, maybe we'll just have to live with slightly higher inflation in this world. And that's going to weaken the dollar. That's helped names like in the Dow, which have a ton of exporting situations there. So a weaker dollar there. We saw the Dow continue to rally and sort of bounce off lows that we saw at the beginning of the year as it struggled. And maybe that reversal here, those big cap, mega cap names might be very beneficial to this market environment. Well, we, do, we want to talk about that exact topic here with some charts with Carter. Homing in here on the currency and bond market move, Carter, you're seeing a big theme in rates versus the dollar. Well, that's right. So what do we know? And of course, Sarah, as someone who specializes in many ways in currencies, we know that the dollar uh, peaked in September, uh, the third week, and then one month later, rates peaked in October. Let's look at some rate charts and ultimately the dollar. So what do we know? We know, again, that there was this bit of strength, uh, rates moving up, but it's a head fake. We've moved up and out of those converging trend lines and now fallen back to it. But again, uh, that's almost uh, 10 months ago that rates have peaked, despite the streets thinking that we're going higher. We're not. Um, look at the 10-year yield. Look at uh, five-year. We've got five-year. We've got two-year. We can just look at one chart after another. Those are all head fakes that are not good. Now, the two-year, of course, right back to the former high, and we might even have real 10-year yields which you'll see next. And so all of this would suggest that despite the, well, rates are going higher, well, they're not. Um, I don't think they are. And I think we're in, you even used a phrase, one and done. Uh, I think that's very possibly what we're dealing with. And the dollar has never confirmed any of this. We can look at the chart of the, uh, the DXY. And what mm. we know is REIT's acting very well, the dollar sort of not acting well. It would all suggest that very much an instance of uh, rates having peaked for basically 10 months and not going higher. So there's a risk to that, though, isn't there? I mean, Mike, oh. the, the risk is, first of all, we got strong data today on consumer confidence and inflation expectations. And I know the theme has been better growth numbers and moderating inflation numbers, but we still have a healthy labor market. Housing is ticking back up. Some of these commodity prices are rebounding, like oil and copper. There's a risk that inflation pops back up, isn't there? And then rates might have to go higher. Yeah, well, I mean, you're saying exactly what Larry Fink said. Larry was uh, basically pointing out that people should not uh, discount inflation too much here. That, you know, I, I think that bringing it down from eight, nine percent to four to five percent is a whole lot easier than bringing it from four or five uh, down to two percent or below the Fed's stated target, particularly when the labor market is as strong as it is. We haven't seen a lot of these prices come down. And of course, inevitably, because you have higher price levels, that's obviously going to create some pressure in combination with a tight labor market for higher wages. And that's what makes essentially inflation behave in a cyclical manner, and it makes it stickier than you might otherwise think. But consumer confidence numbers are one thing, and what consumers are actually doing is something else. You know, consumer debt levels, basically the level of borrowing has slowed considerably. In fact, actually, I think it hit levels that it hadn't hit since April of 2020, which was basically right when the pandemic was uh, breaking out. Brian, we'll give you the, the final word on rates and the dollar's direction and how that impacts the overall market. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if rates are going to stay, you know, somewhat tempered here, if the dollar is going to weaken, 
Maybe it's time to look and pick up some commodities in a portfolio right now. Look at some of the energy names out there. I know XLE was down on the day today, but, but that might be an area that you'd want to consider. And then, like I said before, I think some of these Dow mega cap names that were sort of beaten down to sort of start the year that have so much involved in a U.S. dollar trade where things get cheaper for them to sort of export uh, and profitability increases might be another area of the market that I'd be looking to sort of add to my portfolio. Like a Staples, like a PNG, or? Well, we're talking like, uh, I mean, my, anywhere from, you know, big Microsoft. Dow cap, Microsoft to, uh, you know, American Express, some of the other bank names that were sort of beaten down. Uh, and, you know, a name like Deer Cat. Uh, I think those things could be in a good position now to take off. All right. And by the way, Microsoft did close higher, even though NVIDIA was lower. Now for a name we can't help but talk about, the most actively traded options name on paper and, of course, in our hearts, which is Tesla. The EV maker continuing its massive run this year, up now more than 120 percent. And last month, Mike laid out an options trade to get in on the surge. Tesla shares kept charging higher, putting that one firmly in the green. But now with earnings due out on Wednesday night, he's laying out an update on the name, Mike. Tell us what to do. Yeah, so I think it's important to remember when earnings seasons come, come along that this is really when stocks move. The first four weeks of earnings season, which is typically nowadays kicked off with J.P. Morgan's earnings, the S&P rises about 90 basis points on average versus 60 basis points for all periods. So this is when stocks really move. And Tesla is no exception. This is a stock that has moved nearly 20 percent higher or lower in the month following earnings over the past three years. Uh, we have Cybertruck probably coming out later this year. And, you know, one of the things we're beginning to realize as cars are going EV that Tesla is now the legacy EV automaker. Of course, they are the legacy EV automaker without all the baggage that most of the legacy EV automakers have. They don't have the dealer issues. You know, oftentimes when you have high in demand cars for the regular automakers, it's the dealers that end up making the money. The thing is, we've had a very nice run in the equity. So I'm actually looking to move out of that equity position and into an options position going into earnings. And I think one of the things I'm looking at doing as a stock replacement is purchasing the August 280-330 call spread. That's basically looking at that four weeks following earnings. And also notice I'm looking at that approximately 20% that the stock has averaged, uh, the move has been on average, because that's basically where that upside target is. Uh, you can risk about 5% of the current stock price to do this. I just think it's a lower risk way to play this. Uh, especially net of, of today's sort of reversal that we saw. This is another one of those really high-flying names. Not as high-flying as NVIDIA, but it is definitely right up there. And uh, we've had some nice gains, and I think we can just sort of play with house money at this stage. Yeah, uh, Grasso last hour said it's going to 300. Carter, what are your thoughts on Tesla? Yeah, my thinking is you, you certainly if you're long, you uh, take measures, which is to say trim, write calls, buy puts, or some uh, variation of all of that. Uh, it's a steep, uncorrected move far above its 150-day moving average. And uh, if we have a chart or two, we can pull it up. But if not, uh, again, I think one wants to uh, consider uh, something that was loved, then hated, and is once again loved. Usually when you get lopsided like that, it's right to take the other side. Brian, what's your take on Mike's Tesla trade? Yeah, I really like it, especially as a stock replacement. When you look at Tesla, the last four quarters, the stock has moved over 6% after earnings. So a call spread here that's only costing, you know, less than 5% of the stock here, that's a way to sort of limit some of the risk on the run-up. I bought Tesla earlier a few months ago, and now the stock's run up. Now's the time maybe to sell a little bit of that stock, buy a call spread instead, still get upside market participation, but sort of take out this earnings event 
but get their earnings basis in if the stock continues to run higher. So that's a great way to play it. All right. For everything Options Action, a reminder, check out our website and newsletter. There's more Options Action coming up after this. Coming up, as Disney discusses a radical shakeup of the media space, we look ahead to Netflix earnings next week. Plus, with oil on a recent rebound, we drill down on Schlumberger. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Welcome back to Options, Options Action. We've got an update on this developing story, the lawsuit against J.P. Morgan over its banking relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. The U.S. Virgin Islands saying in a filing just late this afternoon that it would seek at least $190 million in damages. Well, now a spokesperson for the bank has just told CNBC the document filed today, quote, does not reflect the nature of settlement conversations. As for the U.S. Virgin Islands misdirected damages theory, they are not well-founded and are being challenged by J.P. Morgan in court. As mentioned, earnings season kicking off here, and we are looking ahead to a busy week. More banks, airlines, home builders, and a lot more. So let's lay out some options trades on a couple of your favorites. Brian, considering Disney's media sector rocking comments this week about getting back to core, you're looking especially hard at Netflix ahead of these results on Wednesday. Yeah, Netflix should be an interesting play next week, given we're starting to hear potential strikes from the actors uh, out in Hollywood here and how that will play out for a lot of these names. I think Netflix will be a little less impacted than maybe some of the other bigger media uh, people out there. But Netflix has had such a huge run. It's already retraced 50% from its low to high of 2022 already. I think there's probably some more room to run. But I think there's ways to use options to sort of benefit this area. Here's a company that is now probably going to have $3.5 billion of free cash flow. That's a significant increase over last year. And when I start to see cash flow start to increase, to me, I can start to sell a put, not be so as worried about the downside. And so I'm going to use an options play sort of to continue to play the upside here in Netflix and use options to do that with a little bit risk-adjusted uh, take on this. So buy, I'm looking to buy a call spread, the 440 strike all the way up to the 500 strike call spread. I'm gonna buy that call spread. I'm gonna to look to finance that by selling a downside put spread. Now these are all options that expire next Friday. Earnings is next week. So all this goes away if we don't sort of make a move within this, these sort of parameters here. But I can pay basically $7 debit here on this to do this between the call spread that I'm gonna own and the put that I'm gonna sell on the downside. I get to make money all the way up from 440 or they'll break even 447 all the way up to $500 a share. And here I don't own the stock until it gets down to that 420 level. Like I said, if free cash flow is looking good for the stock, if they sort of meet those expectations, I don't expect the stock to fall below there. If they do, I actually kind of like owning the stock down at that level. So I'm okay with sort of the, the risk loss down at that level. But this is a nice way, risk adjusted, I think, to continue to play Netflix to the upside. Mike, what's your take on, on that trade? I love call spread risk reversals, especially in elevated implied volatility situations such as Netflix. I might try to widen out that put strike, just drop that down, take that long call strike up a little bit. The idea being that if I'm going to put the stock, I'd like a bigger discount, I think, than uh, than 5%, which is about what you'd be getting if you get put the stock at 420. 
So uh, other than that, I do like the strategy. Maybe you could push it out a little bit longer as well. All right, let's move on to another name out with results next week. SLB, former, formerly Schlumberger, the oil stock ripping higher recently. But just like the broader energy sector here, it's still underperforming the market. Mike, you've got a call to action if you think the recent rally can keep pumping. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, so obviously I like the space. I, I usually talk about Halliburton. In fact, we did uh, on a couple occasions just recently. But I think we sort of have to talk about slob. That's what we would sometimes call it uh, back in the pits, back in the day. Uh, you know, they're the biggest player, right? So they have the broadest possible exposure to anything good that's going to happen in the space. Uh, you know, we talked about Halliburton's targeted uh, capital returns to shareholders at about 50 percent. Uh, SLB, we're looking at a bigger one, probably about 60 percent if, you know, if they manage to live up to it. I will say as a caveat to that, that their free cash flow was a bit disappointing in the last two reported quarters. But I think, again, uh, expecting if there's going to be a move that we're probably going to be getting it uh, coming out of earnings. I think one of the things you can do, again, very similar to the Tesla trade, uh, risk a little bit of the current stock price to make a bullish bet here. I was looking out to August, the 57 and a half, 62 and a half call spread, lay out a buck and a half for that. Uh, so you're going to be risking uh, less than 3% of the current stock price mm -hmm. to make that bullish bet. Uh, I think that's the way to uh, play it going into earnings here. Carter? Strong stock, a lot of immediate momentum, and I think it goes higher. We can look at a chart, but what we know is a big week for the stock, a big week for oil services. And this is the third big week in a row where you're up more than 5% on the week, and yet so far below where it's been. Um, I'm a buyer. Brian. Yeah, I mean, that we're talking about stocks yeah. to own in this sort of weaker dollar environment. I think SLB is exactly that name that I do want to own. And I like owning a call spread ahead of an earnings play here to the upside. Just straight commodities ex exposure? Yeah, I think it gives a little commodities exposure, plays the weaker dollar. And, and, you know, if energy prices sort of kind of hang in there to tick a little bit higher, I think profit margins expand and SLB will be a perfect one to play in that space. All right, up next, we are checking back on UNH, United Healthcare, after its big move higher today. How the traders are managing that one when Options Action comes right back. Welcome back to Options Action. Last week, Mike laid out a way to play United Health ahead of earnings results that beat expectations this morning, sending shares surging. Finished up seven and a quarter percent, even with the market reversal. So, Mike, how are you managing this one now? Yeah, this uh, had a much bigger move than expected to the upside. That was a positive for our long holdings, but not so good for the overwrite that we did by selling a credit call spread against it. Now, if you close that straight away, you may have done that today. You lost $2.65 a contract. Uh, and that's often what you want to do in this situation. I will say, though, and I think we need to hear Carter's input on this, it does feel to me like it needs to get above 490 before we can say decisively that it's out of that downtrend we've been seeing. Carter, well, that, that's we know right. how you felt I mean, about this chart. Godlike. Yes. We, yes. It's a stock that's recovered to its declining 150-day moving average. It saves what has been an ongoing bad circumstance, down again 20% from its peak, of course, much better than the QQQ or the S&P, but for a very benign, orderly, all data uptrend, it's been struggling. What to do now? Um, it's a pair of twos. I would neither be long nor short. Part, part of the reason it had maybe such a big run-up today was that it had those comments at that conference a few weeks ago about how elective surgeries were back and that was going to hurt. That, it sold off pretty hard on that news. 
Yeah, and then we basically saw it kind of reverse, and now maybe this is a little bit of like short players sort of getting squeezed that we're going to play that to the downside. Now it's run back up. I think Mike makes an interesting level about a price level to watch to sort of figure out whether you want to cover this short call spread or not. That's what I like to do is I like to pick a price point, and I'm just going to stop myself out and then cover it if it gets above there. And I think Mike you know, hit the right point there for this stock because if the Dow and Dow Jones moves higher, UNH in there, that might get pulled higher with it. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets of yours. Our first fan asks, I've been rolling my 170 Apple covered calls every week to avoid getting my shares called away. Time to cut the cord and redeploy, or do you see a pullback coming to continue rolling? What's your take, Brian? Well, this will be interesting. Next week, the Nasdaq has a major rebalance, and the top seven stocks are over 50% holding, waiting in there. That's going to cut back. They're kind of estimating somewhere around 30% waiting between those stocks. Apple's one of them, obviously. So there might be a pullback next week. So I would wait to roll calls before, and let's see if there's some sort of pullback in some of these top names in the Nasdaq. All right, our next fan asks, a while ago, I sold an upside September call on J.P. Morgan, which is currently deep in the money. Should I repair the trade? And if so, how? Mike? Okay, so first of all, if it was a while ago and it's up to September, you might want to consider shortening up the distance uh, out in time that you're selling these calls. That's the first thing I would say. But of course, this is already done. I would take a look at the extrinsic premium that's left. If all you really are is in a, you know, a, basically a call that's trading at parity, uh, that's a short position. And I, and I would actually consider just taking that off and uh, pro- possibly rolling up. But because you're mm-hmm. so far out in time, I might just close it. All right, one more tweet. This one asks, thoughts that an iShare Silver Trust October $27 call, there could be resistance at 25, but current trends and dollar weakness may cause SLV to go past. Carter. Well, that's exactly right. It's about dollar weakness, a big, a big strength in silver. Silver outperforming the CRB all commodity index year to date. Uh, overhead supply notwithstanding, I would stick with the trade. All right, time now for the final call from each of you. Carter, you go first. Let's go with silver, SLV. There you go. Make it easy, Brian. Netflix buying a call spread, selling a put. I don't care about the actor strike. I think the stock goes higher earnings next week. All right, Mike. Tesla, take the stock off, replace it with a call spread going into earnings. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you, gentlemen, for Options Action tonight. A CNBC special tech check with Deirdre Bosa starts right now. All opinions expressed by the Options Action participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Options Action participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Options Action Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Options Action Disclaimer. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies.